This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. September 30th, 1982. Five people are dead, another is in extremely critical condition, and two more are hospitalized in suburban Chicago. They've swallowed capsules of extra-strength Tylenol. The capsules had been tampered with, laced with cyanide. It started with a pair of brothers in their 20s in Arlington Heights, then a 12-year-old girl in Elk Grove Village, and then two more women in different suburbs. They were all rushed to the hospital with symptoms that lined up with cyanide poisoning. And they'd all taken capsules of extra-strength Tylenol, bought at local grocery stores or drugstores. The person in extremely critical condition was the 19-year-old wife of one of the brothers who'd died. She wouldn't make it. Two days later, another woman was found dead in her apartment. That seventh victim was the first in the city of Chicago. But she was a flight attendant, and she'd bought a bottle of extra-strength Tylenol at O'Hare Airport on her way home from her last shift. Evidence in her apartment and an autopsy would confirm as it would for the other victims, she died of cyanide poisoning. It didn't take authorities long to make the connection between this run of sudden-death victims around Chicagoland and extra-strength Tylenol. The bottles they'd used were tested by the medical examiner's office. A spokesman said they'd tested three capsules from each bottle, and each time, one of the three capsules had come back tainted with cyanide. Two-piece capsules are a much less common delivery method for medicine than they were in 1982, and this 1982 incident is why. They're too easy to tamper with. They're made up of two gelatin halves, which can be pulled apart, revealing the medicine, usually in powder or pellet form, inside. And they can be reclosed easily, leaving no one the wiser. Food and Drug Administration officials concluded that that's what happened in Chicago. The capsules were manufactured in Pennsylvania, but all of the poisonings happened around Chicago. That meant the tampering probably happened along the path of distribution, or more likely, at the stores. The thinking was that someone took a bottle, brought it somewhere, tainted some of the capsules with poison, and then snuck it back onto the shelf. If you're under a certain age, you're probably wondering what this someone did about the tamper-proof packaging. Well, there wasn't any. You could just walk into any store and open all sorts of packages, medicine, food, drink, and then close it right back up. The protective plastic over the caps of jars, the soda bottle lid that cracks when you open it, the foil seal over the mouth of a medicine bottle, all that stuff became common after the Chicago Tylenol poisonings of 1982. So who did it? And why? We don't know. Someone did claim responsibility, in a way. A New Yorker named James Lewis wrote a letter to Johnson & Johnson the manufacturer, demanding a million dollars to stop the killings. Police identified him from fingerprints on the letter, and he was arrested and convicted of extortion. Lewis spent 13 years in prison, but the cops were never able to find evidence that linked him to the actual poisonings, and he denied having done anything other than write the threatening letter. He's still considered a likely suspect by a lot of people, including some in law enforcement, 
but he steadfastly denied it, even though after his arrest, he described to police how easy it was to tamper with gelatin capsules. He later said he was just being helpful. I can describe how Julius Caesar was killed too, he said once. That doesn't mean I killed Julius Caesar. The way Johnson & Johnson reacted to the deadly tampering of its product has been held up for decades as an example of the right way for a company to respond to a crisis. With America in a full-blown panic over tainted medicine, Johnson & Johnson leapt into action, recalling every single package of Tylenol and taking out advertisements, even hiring loudspeaker trucks in cities to get the word out. It halted all production and advertising. It cooperated with the police, the FDA, and the FBI. And it helped introduce tamper-resistant packaging. Within a few years, Johnson & Johnson's market share, which had collapsed in the wake of the poisonings, had recovered. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.